Hey there, I'm Brittany, and welcome to the Cape Cod Church Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at capecodchurch.com. In the meantime, we hope you enjoyed this message in our current series. If you're just visiting today, for the past couple weeks we've been in this series, everyone has a story, and each week we've been sharing a story from a member of our community. And today, I'm very excited to share with you Melissa's story. So before we continue to worship, sit back and enjoy this story from our friend and family member, Melissa Burke. My name is Melissa Burke. I'm originally from Yarmouth, but I live in Mashpee now. Alcoholism does run in my family on my mom's side. Um, Her parents were both alcoholics. So my idea of God was like this vengeful God that's like up in the sky, like looking over my shoulder. And I, and I'm not, I'm not saying that this is what the church taught. This is what my perception of it was, but that I was just like a sinner, that we're all sinners. Everything we do is sin, 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 sin. So I'm like, well, if I'm just a sinner, then I should just go ahead and sin and have fun. Like, what does it matter? You know, I'm trying to like live up to this good girl ideal that's just impossible. So, you know, if you can't beat them, join them. So I wanted to be in the city because I just wanted to be where the action was. Um, the ironic thing, so I was like pretty mild throughout college. I never went to a, like a party on campus. I didn't go out to bars. Um, part of that was because I had met a guy my senior year of high school and he didn't go to college, but he supported me. Ended up deciding to marry that man. Um, and so we got married, we had our daughter together, we bought a house. Um, so I fell into banking and at a local savings bank on the Cape and actually I had a 10-year career there and they paid for me to go back to school to become a certified financial planner so you know my our daughter's growing up and um, you know we have this house that was kind of a fixer-upper so doing work on that my career was um, progressing and on the outside everything looked really nice because that's what I want like I want you to look at me and be like wow she's got such a great life but that wasn't the case at all. I had a really hard time adjusting to like work life and being a mom and owning a house and stuff. So drinking started, it started out as like the reward kind of when I got home from work, like, you know, I'm working all day as a business professional. Then I get home and have to put the mom and the wife hat on and there was no transition. So like drinking helped with that. And also, like I said, there, there were some things going on in my life that I wasn't happy with and instead of addressing them I just drank to numb them because I didn't I either didn't want to acknowledge them or I was afraid to ask for help or something you know the drinking became a nightly occurrence and and the thing with alcoholism is that it's progressive illness which means you know over time you have to drink more just to maintain like a you know a certain level over the years I just I I drank more and more but I always thought that I was okay because again you know I'm going to work every day like I would get promotions and job advancements and um, you know our daughter was doing really well and everything and on the inside I was a mess but no one knew I am so desperate that I start praying and I haven't prayed since I was 18 so at this point I'm 34 years old so I said I just started bawling I'm a drunk. I just cried to God and told him I'm sorry. God, please help me overcome my addiction to alcohol. Asking for help led to me going to a treatment facility for alcohol addiction. Um, 
I expected to go for a couple days and then go home, but God had other plans for me. So I went to a facility off Cape, but I ended up back on the Cape for three weeks at an inpatient facility. And, um, and from there I went on to sober living in Falmouth and I did an inpatient program. Um, so I was like fully immersed in recovery. In December of 2021, my, he's my husband now, but he wasn't then, um, he started doing some soul searching of his own and he started coming to Cape Cod Church and I had someone very close to me said, you have to let him have his own path and own journey. Don't go because he's going. Um, so maybe there was a little bit of that like involved at first, but we started coming and we did starting point, which was amazing. And it just, it helped to validate my experience of like that childhood faith not being able to sustain me. I didn't realize that other people had that experience. Because I think that I can do everything and be everything, yet was faced with an addiction that I couldn't solve, I couldn't cure, I couldn't fix. And God, only God, could save me from that was just like the most powerful, I don't know, like thing that could have happened in my life. It's like God was just like, here I am. <laughs> it's like, I've been trying to fix this for years and I couldn't and I asked you for help and you helped me. For God to like love me enough for me to be on his radar was just, I felt security and like a comfort that I hadn't felt in a really long time. Good morning. You all are awake. I am always, um, every time I watch one of those stories, I'm always struck by the bravery it takes to be so transparent. And uh, I know Melissa is going to be in the, uh, the next service. She's not in this service, but I have a sneaky suspicion she might be watching online. So would you help me to thank her for a bravery? We have the best job on earth. I mean, we get to help people discover a full life with God. That's what we do. We, it's a heartbeat. Helping people everywhere discover this full life with God. It does not get old. We get old, but it doesn't get old. <laughs> what we're doing is we're helping people answer the question, how can I have a full life? That's not a spiritual question. That's just a question. Everybody's asking it, and we've been asking it since we were a little kid, and we said, I want that toy. If I have that toy, my life will be better. And then the, the want-tos got bigger, right? We, we got into middle school and high school, and 
it was a guy or a girl we wanted, and if I had them in my life, and then, and then was off to college, and if I just, if I just had this, if I just had this job, this career, if I just, we just want a full life, and what does that look like, and where does it come from? Then we get married, and we're like, man, this is it. Full life on its way. <laughs> Marriage is awesome. It's hard, but it's awesome. Then it's kids. Kids. That will make life full. Yes, it will. <laughs> right? Then career and... Then at some point, I don't know what age this is, but at some point it starts to shift and it's retirement. Retirement will be, then my life will be full. And then grandkids. And we're always asking this, this question, how can I have a full life? And that's not a spiritual question, but the answer to it is spiritual. At least I believe it is. And that's what we're talking about, right? The, the story of the Bible. You see, the, uh, the, the Bible, this, this, this long, ancient, sometimes confusing book is just one big story. It's the story of how God wants to give us life as a gift. We said that's our commitment, to tell the story of how God wants to give us life is a gift. The more I talk about this, the more it occurs to me that it's the gift part that we get hung up on. And that, that little piece that it's free, that it's grace, that it's a, a gift, it just... And we struggle with that. We struggle with the idea that this could be a, a, a gift. And we're, we're not new to that. People have been struggling with this since, since Jesus introduced the idea. In fact, if you have your Bibles with you, turn over to the book of Romans 4. And if you don't have a Bible and you're not looking on the app, I'm going to put the verses on the screen. But in Romans chapter 4, verses that are 2,000 years old, Paul in his most impactful, famous book, Romans, is laying out this big idea. And to do it, he stretches back another 2,000 years. So here's a 2,000-year-old story telling a story about a 4,000-year-old story. He's going all the way back to almost the very beginning, one of the most ancient stories in all of the Bible, to show us how God wants to give us life as a gift. And he tells the story of, of this man who lived in a, a city. It's called Ur. Modern-day Ur would be about 200 miles south of Baghdad. It's in Iraq. And today, if you went there, you'd find the, the ruins. They've, they've uncovered this massive ziggurat, this foundation of this building there. But 4,000 years ago, Ur was maybe the largest city in the world. It had a population of 65,000 people, they estimate, 4,000 years ago. 
And like most of the world in that time, maybe all of the world, they were polytheists. They worshiped lots of gods, but this city had a particularly favorite god. It was the moon god that was called Nana. Unless you were Akkadian, and then it was called the Sin God. I'm not making that up. They had a god named Sin, but that's what it was. And in that city, there was, there was a man. And he wasn't particularly remarkable. It doesn't tell us he did anything great or grand. And that's the point of the story. His name was Abraham. And he wasn't incredibly good He hadn't figured out something fancy or new. God just came to him, and he listened. And when God came to him, this idol-worshiping man in the city of Ur, and he said, Abraham, I want you to trust me. I want you to follow me. And I will give you everything you're dreaming of. I'm going to make of you a great nation. In all of history, it stands as one of the most remarkable moments because it makes no sense. And that's the point. In fact, 2,000 years later, Paul would write this in Romans chapter 4. Let me just read it to you. He answers this question. He says, Abraham was, humanly speaking, the founder of our Jewish nation. What did he discover about being made right with God? If his good deeds had made him acceptable to God, he would have had something to boast about. But that's not God's way. For the scriptures tell us Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. When people work, their wages are not a gift, but something they have earned. But people are counted as righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. From the very beginning, God's plan, from the first pages of Genesis through the story of Abraham and all the way to the New Testament pages and the story of Jesus Christ, God's plan was to give us life and life to the full as a gift. You see, the gospel is It's generous. It makes no sense, and that's the part that we're skeptical about it because it's too good to be true. Like you and I, we're we're world-class skeptics. We know when something's too good, it's too good to be true. We just know. We just you just know the good stuff costs more, takes more, it's worth more. We just know. You can tell by tasting it. We even know this with food, don't we? You eat something that tastes good, oh, you know it's bad for you. There's no, no question, right? You taste something like a carrot, no flavor, 
You people that love carrots, I don't understand you. you, see, you get, and and as, soon, as soon as you eat a carrot, what do you know? Oh, this is good for me. Because it's not good. You can have as many as you want. Nobody cares. Carrot cake, on the other hand. Take one bite of carrot cake, at least my wife's carrot cake, and I'm telling you, you'll know. Oh, I can't eat too much of this, but I want to. <laughs> right? Because we know the good stuff, the good stuff... It's hard, and it costs more. And we have that objection to grace. We have this objection that it should cost more. That's our objection. It should cost more. It can't, it can't be. It couldn't be. It shouldn't be. Those are different things. It couldn't be. See, it couldn't be comes from a place of shame. He couldn't give me that gift because I don't deserve it. And he shouldn't give me that gift comes from a place of pride that says, I've got to earn it. I've got to do it. I've got to make it happen. But both of them are a fundamental misunderstanding of grace. Grace is impossible. It's surprising. It is radically generous. It is always completely undeserved. From the time of Abraham to Jesus to us. God wanted to give us life as a gift. But if you're following this and, and, and you're sort of wrestling through this Jesus thing, then then what you're asking yourself is how does like how does that work like how does how does Jesus give me a full life now and forever like how does a how does an act of faith in Jesus translate into a full life. Like, how does that happen? What does that mean, Ben? Like, 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 okay, if it's it's true, but how does it work? Like, how does how does Jesus make my life, you know, full? So if you, you fast forward a couple of chapters in Romans, and Romans is just it's just like chock full, right? It's just it's 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 Paul just kind of taking his magnum opus and he's putting it all together and he's laying it out there for us to see. But if you go a few chapters forward into chapter eight, Paul does just that, right? He writes and he tells us, he says, Let me let me show you how this gift of Jesus gives you a full life. Here's what he says in verse 1. He starts this. He says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Now listen, he says, the, the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body, like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. You see, 
Here's where it starts. He he gives us a full life by solving my... There's no other way to say it. He solves my sin problem. You see, there's a a, a fundamental issue that we all have. We're, We're broken and we need fixing. All of us. We're all broken. You, 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 you. I'm not pointing at anybody in particular, but all of you and me. We're broken. We need fixing. And that's what Jesus came to do. He came to to fix us. And that that fix begins with with the the grace of forgiveness. And we 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 object to this. Like we we and sometimes we object to it by saying, well, I don't I don't, I don't need forgiveness. It's as if we'd never, if, if we'd never sinned, and then, and then I'll, I'll, I'll fix it myself. I'll work my way out of it. But the, the problem with both of those, it's like running a race that doesn't have an end. That's what it's like. It's like the, the entirety of your life. You're, you're running. You're running. You're running. You're running. You're running a race to try and to try and make up for the brokenness in our life. But we don't know when the race ends. So we're always asking ourselves, "Am I winning? Am I winning? Am I winning? Am I ahead?" Do they do enough? We're always asking ourselves the title of this great little book that Andy Stanley wrote called How Good is Good Enough? We're always asking ourselves, how, how good is, is good enough? And what Paul is saying here, what Jesus is saying when he talks about the laws, he says it's not a race. You can't, you can't win it. It's not, that, it's not a race. It's a gift, a gift of forgiveness. That's what I give you. A few verses down, Paul says something else. In verse 9, he says, But you, you are not controlled by your sinful nature. Feels like I am sometimes, though, doesn't it? You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. Therefore, verse 12, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Because of Jesus, you're no longer controlled by your sinful nature. Listen, we, we, all, we, all, want to do, we all want to do better. We want to overcome and become. There's something in your life, you just you want to overcome it. And there's something you want to become. And, and we're struggling. It's like we're wrestling and we're fighting with it. And he said, that's not what I do. What I, what I do is I put my spirit in you, and my, my spirit in you is the power to change you. That's what, that's what Jesus does. If you, do you ever, did your car ever break down just like it, on the, it was like on the road and you had to push it off to the side? Do you ever see one of those people who ran out of gas? Not you, of course, but ran out of gas, and they're like an eighth of a mile from the gas station. Right? Yeah, you've seen those people. You might have been one of those people. You ever been out there and you're like, all right, it's 200 yards. How hard could this be? Little downhill slope. 
Is it downhill or is it uphill? And we get out there and we're just, we're, we're pushing this two-ton beast. And we're trying to steer it. And there's no power. And there's no steering. And it's all brute force. That's what Paul's talking about when he talks about the law. That's what he talks about when he's talking about being controlled by sin. You're trying to change something by brute force. And that's what Melissa was talking about in her story. I was trying and trying and trying, but Jesus. You see, Jesus in us, that that moment that we embrace him as our Savior, he comes and he indwells us, and his Spirit empowers us and directs us. It steers our life, it shows us a new way, and it gives us a power to overcome and to become. That's what his Spirit does. What's our part in it? We listen to him and we submit to him. We listen to him and we live in submission to him. And as we listen to his word and we listen to his small, still voice, he begins to change our heart and the steering is his do you, do you see how, how, how Jesus in us gives us this full life he, he gives us power to change to become something new that's why Melissa's story was so, it's, it's so powerful because, because it, was, it was something at the end of her when she asked Jesus and he did it. He helped her. He brought transformation into her life and he brings it into your life and he brings it into my life. I think there, there's, there's one last piece and if you go down a few more verses, you'll... You'll see, it's like, it's like Paul's finishing off with something. It's like, it's like you're going to need to know this. Like, like, like let this rest into you, because if this rests into your life, this is where Jesus in you becomes powerful. In verse 15, Paul says, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now we call Him Abba, Father. (laughs) It's like dear. It's like dad. For His Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children, and since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. In other words, this isn't just for good times. This works for bad times. His power is with us forever. And what this is saying is, listen, listen. You're no longer like fearful, cowering slaves. You're no longer, you're no longer in bondage. You're no longer trapped. Why? Because it's like he looks, he says, because I adopted you. Because I love you. That's it. I think at the end of the story, he just wants us to know that. He says, listen, I just want you to know this. I love you. God loves us. I think sometimes we just have to like 
I just like to step back a little bit and just like, like rest in that. Like, he loves you. He loves you. And I know you're thinking, but, 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 Ben, I, but, but I did this, but I did this. She says, no, 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 I love you. He knows everything about you. He knows every secret. He knows every struggle. He knows every stain. And he loves you. That's grace. He doesn't love you because you were good. He doesn't love you because you figured it out. You've got a story to tell. He just loves you. And there's something about the knowledge that Christ is in me and that he loves me that gives me the power to live a life that is brand new. And when I hear his voice, I'm not like a cowering, fearful slave. I'm a child of a father who loves me and I can surrender myself to him. And that's how Jesus gives us a full life. loves us. You say, why do you keep saying that? Because it's hard to believe, right? I know me. I know some of you. It's hard to believe. He loves us. Would you bow with me? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Let me ask you something. Moments. Private. Maybe you're, you're here and you're... Um, you've been on the fence about Jesus. Not sure what this all meant. Or maybe, maybe you've been all in on doing what Jesus did. Obeying Jesus, being like Jesus. But if you've been listening closely, you'll know that's not why he accepts you. It's not because you were really good at following the rules or following him. It's because he is really good and he's gracious and he gives you a gift. And just like Abraham, we all come to God the same way, by faith. A simple act of faith. Maybe here this morning, you're, you're ready to take that step of faith. And if so, I'd like to pray with you. I'll, I'm going to lead in a prayer, but I don't, I don't think there's magic words. I think it's the prayer of faith from your heart that he's listening to. Prayer that says, Jesus Christ, I trust in you. I believe in you. I need the forgiveness that you offer. I need you in my life. If that's you, I invite you to pray with me something like this. Dear God, you know me. 
You know everything about me. And I believe you love me. And I believe you died on a cross so that I could be forgiven. And here today, I say yes to you. I trust in you, Jesus Christ, as my Savior. I invite you into my life. Help me now to live my life fully, fully for you. In Jesus' name.